Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. another edition of Covered in Glory. We have been away for a few weeks, and every time we are gone, it feels like everything changes. But what always stays the same is we are here for you with our nonsense. And I'm very proud to have Brett Corabitos here with me, providing said nonsense. How are you doing, Brett? Uh, I was doing a lot better before dragging, like, basically tree trunks that snap from wet snow weight, uh, like, 200 yards to a burn pile yesterday. Pretty tired, realizing I'm getting old, uh, which is not a fun thing to realize, but uh, I'm here, I'm ready. I got some soccer talk. I got uh, shoveling ahead of me after this. Good times to be back in Wisconsin. Not like I miss Arizona at all, um, <laughs> but I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk soccer. I, I can't wait. We've been off for two. It always seems like these weeks are just so long for me. I know you are like, I got other things to do. I got, you know, you're a great dad with your kids. You got your other stuff going on. For me, it's like, oh my God, what is the next SIG recording? <laughs> Bring it on. Well- well, I can't believe you flew halfway across the country to work on a farm and drag tree trucks and all this manly stuff to realize you're getting old. It happens to me every time I wake up and just like try to like bend my left knee out of bed or like, oh, I need to read this. Uh, six months ago, I could read something that was six inches in front of my face. And now I struggle to do the most basic tasks. So I don't need a Rocky three style montage of training to realize that I way over the hill, unlike you. <laughs> well, I will say uh, I definitely have had a couple moments in the last little we- weeks where I've like, I think I need reading glasses now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, this is this this print is way too small. What's going on here? Yeah, so and it I, happens. It happens so fast. And by the way, like I, I rarely plug at the top of the show something that I want you to listen to, but please, listeners, go at least look at the social media breakout we did. Uh, yesterday on Trendy, talking about the way to improve refs. I think I'm going to bring it into SIG, uh, covered in glory in the next two weeks, so we can talk specifically about the Premier League. But this is this isn't even a point that I made yesterday, Brett. Like what every what of all physical ailments, of all physical ailments, it seems to be the one that's most universal. The moment that you hit 40 is your eyes go, and how how old are refs? How many young refs are floating around? And so, like, the one thing that, like, ails every single person as they age is the one thing they need, which is their freaking eyesight. Yeah, uh, this is another great point. And by the way, yeah, if any, for whatever reason, if you're not listening to Trending and you're listening to SIG, uh, please go check out that breakout. Dave and Toby were awesome with it yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Like, uh, you're, you're, this game, all these sports are being played by people like peak athletic ability between 19 and like 35 ish roughly. And then you have these like 55, 60 year old dudes, like trying to keep up. I mean, look at the Lamar Jackson play against San Francisco. Like that dude's like a 50 year old ref trying to backpedal out of the way. And it's like elite 20 something year old quarterback. Like I think a 35 year old or a 30 year old in peak physical condition probably would have made that backpedal without slipping. Yeah, there's a hundred million dollars being wagered on the Super Bowl. You know what should settle in? An octogenarian who can't see. <laughs> Perfect. I'm Perfect. In. <laughs> That's right. exactly what I want to hear about the talk shows afterwards. Is about that octogenarian. 
right. Well, let's uh, let's pick that up uh, in the next week or two. Let's talk about the refs of the Premier League and some of the motivations and financial incentives they have. That's a little bit of a tease. But today we have a different conversation, Brent. This is something that you brought up. And with Black Monday here in the NFL, we had several people get fired and several surprise people uh, leave their jobs. Vrabel at the Titans, Carroll with the Seahawks. There's always somebody who lets go. There isn't somebody that's like been discussed for the previous three months, like Ron Rivera, who is going to sail off in his rowboat to make bad choices somewhere else in his life and no longer hopefully impact mine. Uh, but let's take this over to the Premier League. I know we don't have like a Black Monday type thing because it seems like every single Monday a manager might get fired. But let's put it away from like who should get fired and who should be let go. Let's take the bright side of this because on Black on Black Monday you get to clean the deck and you get to envision a brighter future. You get to envision a manager coming in that is going to be better than the past one. And if the past one was good, he'd probably still have his job. So you always are looking forward to a day that's going to be better than the days that you had previous. Like how, how, who needs this in the premier league? So two things, is there any uh, manager that you're just like, we, he's just got to go because we have to change him out for a specific guy. Is there a specific guy that can come in? Cause that's the other thing, you know, like you know, Dave says about the Steelers, like, Oh, Tomlin's got to go. Cool. What's the plan? How are you going to get better than Mike Tomlin? So who do you have that's better than the guy that's in it? And then the other big question is there, is there Brett, and I'll let you tack- tackle them one at a time. This is great hosting. I'm throwing two questions at you and making you keep you in your head. But the second question is, is there any team that's a manager away? Like, is there any team that all they have to do is have a, a change at the top and we'll see a material difference in the standings this year and next season? Uh, well, I mean, I think to answer none of your questions first, I think Ange Postacoglu <laughs> should manage every team in the Premier League. Um, that's my first one. But as far as a manager that I would like to see go, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this one just because you're gonna be like, why them? But I would just like to see Vincent Company out of Burnley. Like they are mm-hmm. trying to play this super slow mo ball that Arsenal and City and Arsenal is going to come up later in this conversation are doing, and it's just so it's so weird and sort of dumb, and it just doesn't make them interesting or appealing at all. Um, like I hate the the way that that Pep and Arteta have created these things where they press and then they just sit on the ball. Um, that is part of the reason why Arteta is going to come up as one of my managers that I would like to see replaced. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Vincent company would, would be a guy that number one, I would like to see these relegation teams just do interesting stuff. Like if you're going to be as bad as Sheffield and Lutontown and Burnley, try something like hire somebody that's going to do something interesting, push a boundary somewhere. Don't just be like, you know what? I want the nickel version of Pep to coach my team. Please don't do that, Burnley. Yeah, JJ Watt, if you somehow listen to this podcast, please do something about this. So who are the innovative managers that are out there that aren't so in demand that they would look their nose down on a Burnley job, but are good enough to make Burnley into a tactically more interesting squad? Well, Bournemouth, I think, found one in, in Iriola. That's a guy that I wanted to bring up. It's like that, that to me is kind of the model there. Uh, and even Deserby with Brighton's job, like Sasulo was not like no one's sitting there going like, oh, hey, Sasulo finished eighth. We got to get that manager. But when you look at what they're doing stylistically with their financial resources, you know, uh, Irilla was coaching uh, Rio Valcano and they're 
you know, that's like not a team that anybody's like, yeah, that's a hot spot for managers. It wasn't like back in the days when everybody just hired whoever was coaching Butler and NCAA men's basketball. Um, and I think that's where these teams got to go. I'm, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to know, like, you know, who's coaching in third division Columbia that's got some really cool ideas. Um, but I think that those general blueprints have been out there. And, you know, I think they got, I think teams have to look for these clubs that are a little bit under-resourced and to dive a little bit ahead into one of your other questions here was like a guy, like I look at that I thought was really interesting was Roger Schmidt at uh, Benfica is the year after when he took over, they had lost Darwin Nunez. This is the Benfica team that's been raided. I mean, think of all the talent that's come out of Benfica, right? Um, you had Ruben Diaz, you had Jao Felix, and you had Darwin, like huge transfer fees for these guys, uh, plus your boy Enzo. And, and that happened in the middle of the season. And I, I always look at that and I'm like, these teams are gutted. And here Benfica is in this Portuguese league, going into the Champions League and going toe to toe with these teams that are way more well resourced, that are buying their players from them. That to me is like a manager that you need to immediately turn your head to and say, okay, this guy is working with a quarter of the payroll that we're, we're probably funding with some of these Premier League teams. Why are we not, why are we not trying to look harder at him to, to step up, have more resources to put that behind him and see what he can do with it? Yeah. I mean, I think all that's, that's super fair. And if you look at feeder clubs like Benfica, you have to ask, are, is it the scouting director? Is it the manager? Like what's yeah, the infrastructure that leads to these like massive increases in valuation and to the extent that it tips over to the field, like, of course, those guys should be, uh, should be hot candidates to join us here in the premier league. Uh, to answer my, my other question myself, is any team a manager away? Well, like didn't, didn't uh, Emery just show us that, Almost every team is a manager away. Like Aston Villa was on the like verge of relegation. Like legitimately were nervous about going down to the championship. And almost immediately with one manager hiring, they're second in the league. And so like, is that because Aston Villa has a long storied history or they had players that were being so wildly misused by uh, Steven Gerrard that, you know, replacing him with Emery just immediately was like a 16 place correction on the table. Uh, like what, <laughs> what do we actually like learn from that experience? Is it every team or was it that specific team? Because if it's that specific team, is it the answer Everton? Is it the answer? Like, you know, a, 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 team that should be properly mid-table, should be fighting for at least Europa, but is sitting around relegation that uh, has a potentially a new stadium coming that with you know some creativity in the managerial box, all of a sudden could make an Aston Villa-like leap. Uh, I actually think that Sean D what Sean Dyche is doing in Everton right now is incredible. Um, I mean, they have been trying to get out of their own penalty box of that stupid spending spree that they've had before his, his term. And I think... Daesh and Unai Emery are both suffering from the bump of following terrible managers. Um, we have talked at like, we don't need to go to Frank Lampard anymore, but Steven Gerrard is sort of cut from the Lampard cloth. Um, mm -hmm. I remember when he was at Rangers and I was reading an article about their success and they kept mentioning his number two all the way through the piece. And I was like, wait, so this guy is like doing their scouting, like running their training, what is Steven Gerrard actually doing for this team? And then he comes to Villa and you kind of see like, oh, okay. That's why that guy yeah. kept being mentioned in the article about Rangers. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's one of those things where I think those, both those guys are um, 
elevating from that. The difference between Daesh and Henry and the reason that I'm kind of enamored with what Daesh is doing is Aston Villa, and this is nothing against Unai Emery, great. I think he's a good manager. It's a perfect fit for him. I do think like players, there are perfect fits for managers as there are with players. Um, but Aston Villa's like had some sneaky spending, you know, so far. I mean, they spent 30 million on Luca Dine out of his prime. Uh, Leon Bailey, they <clears throat> they brought in uh, Pau Torres from Villarreal. Like, They've spent money on some dudes like this has not been like a Everton situation where their big signing is like, you know, Beto from some Portuguese team that I can't even remember. And Dice is still like rolling out these guys and winning. Um, They've had some sneaky expenditure and then they've married it to Emery, who is perfect for that style of club with the way that he wants to play. And I think that's just it's just a great marriage. It comes from that bounce back from Gerard. So there is that whole confluence of events. That's why I like to your question of teams that are one manager away. I think a lot of things got to come together. The manager is a part of that, probably that puzzle, a big piece of it. But I don't know if any team is truly like a manager away because other things have to fall into place as well. Oh, there's one team that's a manager away and they are in blue and they're in London. And that manager (laughs) is Thomas Tuchel. Bring Tommy tactics back. This isn't even like a direct and and full-on frontal attack on Posh, but like, come on. It's clearly a mismatch tactically between Tuchel and and Pochettino. And the reason Tuchel left is because he didn't want to be a sporting director when Boley was the sporting director. But guess what they've done since Tuchel left? They've hired three different guys who uh, allegedly lead transfer strategy, and they signed 30 players. Like, they don't need transfers. They need somebody to work with what they have. And you take Thomas uh, Tuchel, who took what they had, which was way wildly less talent than they have right now, and took them to a Champions League, um, a Champions League title, as well as regularly top, you know, top two, top four finishes in the Premier League. You bring him back, you give him this roster, you actually set this amount of talent up correctly, and you like let him cook for the next five to ten years because you've already done the part that he didn't want to do. That is the team that is a manager away, and that's who it is. Yeah, I mean the thing that I will I would push back a little bit on that one with is I think Pochettino got a raw deal and Tuchel came in. He's great at what you talked about. He's a he's a pragmatist. He takes these like island of misfit toys guys and is like, how can I assemble them in a way that makes sense and gets this team to max out their performance? He is really good at that. He also seems to rub people the wrong way a lot, which I don't know if he could last five years in one spot. Um, but the thing that I think that, is that, that's that, crap. Uh, hold on, hold on. I, I, I got to defend my guy here for just a second. That guy went through one of the most unique and bespoke situations in the history of world football, where one of the top 10 clubs in the world faced unprecedented attacks because of a global war and handled it all with grace publicly and privately. So, like, if there are stories planted about that guy rubbing people the wrong way, like, so be it. And that's what we end up consuming. But just, like, look at the way he handled himself and look at the way he did it and the conditions in which he did it. And I'm just not buying it at Chelsea. Maybe at PSG. Maybe we're going to start seeing those stories at Bayern. But he was an amazing public steward for the club in one of its darkest and most difficult periods. 
Well, he didn't have the one press conference, though, where he was like, I'm sick of doing this. So he clearly wasn't like, this is my burden to carry. Um, but yeah, I, I will say he definitely went through a tumultuous time. I mean, an unprecedented time. We, I Well, hopefully for the sake of global wars, we don't, uh, you know, mega wars, we don't see that anymore just for that aspect of it. Um, but I, I do think the one thing where Pochettino has been hurt by is, and this is more a theory than anything rooted in my spreadsheets, but they went on this crazy spending spree. And in my opinion, when you're building a team and the, the thing that maybe Tuchel benefited from is he at least had like a semblance of what the team was and what they needed to get better at. When you just buy like 30 players in two transfer windows, you don't have a starting point. You have to like wade through it from scratch to even figure out like, what can these guys do? What is this team? How do we, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what they together. can do. They can lose to a championship mid table championship club and a cup semifinal. That's what they can do. <laughs> that is, that is their current level. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not discounting things have been disappointing and, and, and they could be better, but I'm also saying that it's a little bit easier. And I think most managers or coaches would tell you if you could come in and at least be like, all right, we have these problems. I can work within this group to address said problem. When you are just working and the puzzle pieces are flipped and they're all over the place and some are upside down and some are upside right and the border isn't built and you're like, go build this in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's yeah. a little bit different. That's where I give Pochettino a little bit of a pass. But again, I'm not like a huge Pochettino guy. So you're getting like a sort of Pochettino defense from a guy that's like not really behind Poch. Well, we could talk about it more when we get to Chelsea Fulham here in a minute. You said you wanted to talk about Arsenal. So what managerial opportunities are you seeing for a team that is suddenly sliding out of the title race? Uh, I, that's one where I would love to see a, like a Roger Schmidt type guy or maybe specifically Roger Schmidt. Arsenal have one of the highest uh, passes per defensive action, which is a way to measure pressing. Um, across all the big five leagues. I think if they're under 10, it's like 9.9 or something. But what they do, when most teams like Liverpool, who's also up below 10, who press aggressively, is Liverpool turn those pressing chances into high turnovers, into immediate counterattacks and shots. Arsenal press you, and then they just take the ball, and they keep the ball, and they just sit yeah. on it. And it just drives me nuts. Like, I get that they've been good. I am not discounting the fact that Arteta has done a great job. But as a neutral fan, wanting to see something interesting from the big five clubs, I do not want to see a team that presses high and then just keeps the ball and slowly passes it back and forth. Be exciting. So one of my one of my things, I have three that I really would want to see that I would find interesting. One would be take a Deserby, take a guy like Roger Smith, Put them with this young Arsenal talent. See what happens. I think at the very least, it would be way more entertaining as a neutral to watch Arsenal matches. Number two, Lucien Favre has always sort of showed up in kind of like these people that try to quantify manager value as one of the sneaky guys that adds value to a team. He had a very unceremonious ending where I think he got fired like after losing to like a second division team in the French Cup um, when he was at Nice, his last go around at Nice. But... He's 66. He's getting up there in, in years, which isn't great. But he had a pretty unique style when he was having a really good run at Dortmund where they would play this sort of like circulation, like possession between the back to kind of draw opponents to them. And then they'd spring it forward into space when Haaland was there. And I look at guys like Ezzy and I look at Olise 
And I look at Crystal Palace and how Roy Hodgson is still there, Toby. Roy is still there making a team as average as they can be. Yeah. I would love to see with Ander, with uh, Joachim Anderson in the in that back four who can who can play the ball at his feet and and do some good stuff there. I would love to see someone like Lucien Favre take a job like Crystal Palace and just kind of play that 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 weird collection of like a possession slash counterattacking style with those really exciting young wingers and make Crystal Palace more of this, oh, old Roy doing it again, keeping him afloat into something that we'd be like, hey, man, like Crystal Palace is playing. They're kind of exciting. Um, that would I, be another I, one. Oh. I was trying to think of the NFL equivalent. I'm struggling to come up with it. Like, who's a guy that's like, hey, uh, his best attribute is he's coached for 30 years. He's never won anything, <laughs> but he's there. He's always been he's there. Just, he's just there. I don't know. Is that like Jim Caldwell? <laughs> I think we'd yeah. kind of be there. He keeps popping up everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a great thing with, with Roy is he's so basic where it's like you could do so much worse. You could do Frank Lampard. Right. Yeah. But I also think that like a team like Palace is in a position where you should want them to want to go get somebody that's going to kind of move the needle a little bit more. Um, and then I think the final one would be Deserby is probably going to go somewhere. Uh, maybe not this year, because obviously with McAllister and Caicedo leaving, they've taken a little bit of a dip. But like he's going to be on some big clubs radar at some point. Um, and I think if that ever happens. I have learned a newfound appreciation for Marco Sobo, Toby. <laughs> oh As God. an Everton fan who really wandered through oh the doldrums after like his three straight eighth place finishes, his, Marco Sobo's biggest undoing to me is everywhere he's been, he has been his own worst enemy or has been saddled with basically a poor front office that just got him bad players. I mean, he was there for the the infamous Everton year where Gilfie Sigurdsson, Wayne Rooney, and Davey Klassen all came in the same window. I yeah. need to write an opus about how ridiculous that year was. <laughs> Three number slow, but number tens. I'm saving work for myself all in the same window, all for like 90 million pounds and huge wages. Come on. But I would yeah. love to see Silva, who clearly gets results out of teams that have limited players, go to like a recruitment, you know, savvy team like Brighton and see what he could do there. So when you asked me this question and I started taking my notes, uh, I always drift back to the same place, which is where can I get Don Conte back in my life? Like, how can I do it? Because <laughs> that's what, what matters to me. Uh, and so we entered like a Belichick era, uh, like a Belichick level thing. Like, oh, this legend needs to go. I have one question. Can Antonio Conte take Trent Alexander-Arnold and make him win the Ballon d'Or? Like, could he turn him into the greatest wingback the world has ever witnessed with his ability to cross the ball? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, that's that's kind of been a thing with Liverpool, too, that I, I got to believe they're flirting with, with this uh, injury crisis is they might need – you know, more of a defensive right back to push him forward anyways. But that would be a good one. I thought of him in a funny way. Like, I would love to see him or Bielsa go to Manchester United just for the, the fireworks. Like, that's oh, not God. like a, well, like a, that's not like an actual. We've already seen it, though. Like, that was just called Mourinho. Like, we've already yeah. seen that happen at Manchester United. That would just I kind of feel, okay. They saw a different verse. We're going to talk about Mourinho later, because believe it or not, Toby, he's been complaining about referees even in Italy. Oh, come on. I, I oh, know. I, I I didn't want to bring it to you like this. I was kind of going to, like, ease into it so you weren't too shocked. But well, that's he, fair. I mean, I, I started the show by saying how much has changed since we last recorded. And Mourinho, like, now he's complaining about refs? Yeah. Like, that's a it, wildly different. 
just wild, just wild about refereeing decisions. But but my question to you is this: If you had to rank, given like Bielsa, flameouts, Conte, flameouts, Mourinho, flameouts, no, Conte. who would have the biggest one if they went to Manchester United right now? Conte. I mean, for this sure, isn't even close. Like Mourinho, he fights in the press. Like Conte puts people in trunks. I allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. allegedly i have allegedly. no proof of that always allegedly. But, yeah i mean come on now like he would absolutely have the biggest blow up be also like i mean like i i love him because he's entertaining but there's a bit of a clown factor with him like this is what the things you're saying are completely insane it's like he can appear on pat mcafee on tuesdays but like here with with Mourinho, him complaining to the press, that's somebody entertaining. Conte is like legitimately scary, and so that's the one that would have the biggest blow up at United, no doubt about it. That's true. I, I never thought of the factor that Conte definitely knows people that could disappear you, and I'm not <laughs> sure the other two guys. Bielsa is so beloved; he's a psychopath as a manager, but like he's so beloved, he would not be like disappearing you after after yeah. Crossman United. If you were like some parking steward that like muttered under your breath as Conte passed. You might there might be like a manhunt out in Manchester in a couple of weeks. I want him back. I want him back. I'm not afraid to admit it. I don't want him back at Chelsea, but I, there's 19 other clubs I would like to see him managing. Although, I, you know, somewhat scarily, like United is probably the actual answer here. We somehow never mentioned them in a serious manner. Like they have the resources with Ratcliffe coming in. They're going to have uh, an infusion of capital and an infusion of ambition. If they actually ever got a guy who is like, you know, one, uh, one one hundredth or whatever the exaggeration is of Fergie, like they'd suddenly be back to the top of the league. So as long as we can keep this clown car of managers coming in and this clown car of ownership uh, fighting with them, like let's just keep that going for the rest of the teams. Like just like my last answer, my last answer is a change in Manchester as well. It's just not United. I think Pep has proved everything he needs to do. And I think City has something to prove. Can they win without Pep? And not only can they win without Pep, is Erling Haaland man enough? Is he good enough? Is he a legend enough to win the Premier League with Steven Gerrard as his manager? That is what I want to see. <laughs> Can Frank Lampard be Gerrard's number two? Can we just like go all the way in on man? Come on, I've, I've got a trading card of Frank Lampard on my desk right now. I'm not willing to drag that legend, but I had no love lost for Gerrard, and I want to see City win the league <laughs> with him at the helm. Let's do it. Oh man, uh, I uh, this is the, I'm just gonna end it there because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole of like who would be the funniest guy to see take over for Pep. That is that is a whole clown car. You mentioned the word clown car. That is a whole clown car full of people that we could spend all show naming. All right. Well, let's get to our clown car picks instead. Right after this break from our sponsors. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 
21 and over only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only must register with eligible promo code, bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited know when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800 next step colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9 with it iowa call 1-800 bets off louisiana call 1-877-770 stop licensed through horseshoe bossier city and harris new orleans massachusetts call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Brett, we are back to do this week's action on the soccer pitch, and we are starting with the two teams that we have loved to fade the most in the first half of this season, now going head-to-head. Manchester United, 8th at 31 points, versus Tottenham, 5th at 39 points. This game is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Manchester United is plus 115. The Spurs are plus 200. The draw is plus 280. Caesars has United at minus half a goal, that same plus 115, and the Spurs at minus 145. How do you pick between these two sides, Brent? They cannot both lose. We either have to see a draw or one side win. Which side are you going to lean towards? Spurs money line. I am so hard in my anti-United stance that I am taking the Spurs money line. Um, I 
I just don't think like, okay, you can talk about Ange being suicidal with his tactics. I totally get it. Make you want not want to trust them. Romero is just always one play away from getting a red card. Totally get all the arguments to be anti-Spurs. But I just don't think United's good, especially if Rashford is kind of coming down from that crazy run last year. I mean, you're talking about Hoyland, Garnacho, Anthony, all those guys. I wouldn't be super impressed with them if they were playing for Ajax right now and they're starting for a Premier League team. Um, Not and just then Bruno, Premier League team, like the, the Yankees of the Premier League are yes. starting these guys. Yeah, it's, it's, basically they, they should be in AAA Pawtucket <laughs> and they're starting for the Yankees is what's going on here. And so I think that's kind of the thing is we, we laugh at United's dysfunction. We talk about the ways in which Ten Hag has maybe failed the club. But like this team, when you go player by player, especially with Marcus Rashford taking a step back, especially with Casemiro aging, we went through these two points. Their most consistent player is a, a Bruno Fernandes, who's almost nearing 30. That's just not a good team. I don't care what you slice or whose jersey they're wearing. Uh, you can put any kid on them for any team in the Premier League. That's just not a good team. It's just not a good team. And Spurs at least have a clear identity. They have some talent still. They've kind of, you know, found a little bit of magic even without Madison in there um, once in a while. So for me, it was a no-brainer to take them on the money line. I'm just, I'm going to fade United until things drastically change. They finally sign a player that's good. So we uh, we did a bit of a disservice to everybody. I think we got our analysis right. But when we were talking about future odds and which teams to really look out for uh, in terms of table movement in the second half, we completely did, uh, forgot to dismiss AFCON and the Asian Cup. And like certain teams are being hit harder than others, and Spurs are among them. So I uh, like I have I'm finding it really hard to get them lost to Forest in the last league game out of my head for United. But they also came back and they deserve credit for the second half comeback when they were two down to knock off Aston Villa the week before or the match day before. It wasn't even a full week before. And those games happened in reverse order. I'd be more excited about backing them here against the Spurs. But they didn't. It doesn't feel great. I agree with you taking them at short odds against a more successful successful team. But I'm doing it anyway because the Spurs are without Sun, they're without Madison, and they're without Basuma, and they're really going to struggle to hold their place this month. So, like, are they going to be able to remain uh, in fifth without those key players? I know Madison might come back before the end of the month, but he might not. But they they need to really hope for early exits and fast returns from their key players because otherwise they risk falling all the way back to the pack. If they win, it'll be via their chaotic style, increasing the variance to the point it tips their way. But with all the absences, this is the rare big game where United, even with playing this AAA team, probably are the better team because they do have Fernandez. They do hopefully have uh, a Rashford that you know even bears a, a whiff of resemblance to the one they saw last year. But all that said... I think the draw is a massive part of the range of outcomes here. So I'm doing something I very seldomly do. I'm not betting the draw line. Oh, I would not do that. No. I would not take the coward's way out. But oh. I am going to go to Caesars and take the draw no bet line. So I'm taking Caesars draw no bet United, which adjusts the odds down to minus 145. So I'm taking a coward's position on the coward's way out of just taking my money back if we do see a draw between these two clubs. I was so close. I was so, I was, I thought I was there. I just thought I was there. I could taste it. 
It was on the tip of my tongue, and then you pulled it away from me. Well, I, I can't, Brett, because my, my prop bet is the over. I'm taking over three and a half goals. And once you get that many goals in a match, like once you, you think there's going to be four or five, like what are the chances it actually lands at 2-2? Two, two? They they seem slim to me when a multi a multi uh a multi-goal game. So I'm taking that at plus 110. And I honestly I have no idea who's going to score them. I'd like this number even more if Harry Maguire was healthy. Uh they unfortunately, you know, it over suffers from his absence. But I do know that both teams are missing their midfield steal, have injuries all over the place, have these cup absences. United have a backup keeper in, plus McTominay might score all four. So I'm going to take the over plus three and a half. Uh, I'm sorry, over three and a half at plus 110. Just rolling the dice on McTominay. I love it. Um, Yeah, my my only counterpoint to that and the reason that I'm going to take Spurs and uh, double down on Spurs by taking Spurs and both teams to score at plus 350 is because of the fact that Richarlison and Kulishevsky would probably immediately be the best attackers on United and Emerson would be United's best right back. Uh, so the, there, the, even without the talent that, even with the talent that is not there, that has been factored in and no team is going to be hurt more by AFCON than Liverpool losing Mo Salah. Um, yes, but that's well, well, that, not even on the slate this week, we'll, we'll get to that next yeah. week. Um, but the, even without that, I'm still pretty cop in the skirt in the Spurs to win. Um, and if they, and no matter what, I agree with you, we're on the same page as the number of goals in this match. That is why both teams to score just got added to that equation. Yeah. All right, well, let's see if we stay on the same page on our next match. It is Chelsea, 10th at 28 points, versus Fulham, 13th at 24 points. This game is Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Chelsea is minus 165. Caesar says Fulham at plus 400. The draw is plus 320. Chelsea minus half a goal is minus 170. Fulham is plus 130. Okay, Brett, I, I went in slightly on Potch at the beginning by asking for Tuchel back. That was more about Tuchel than it was about Potch for this episode. For this episode, because there are serious questions starting to be asked, not just about the signings, not just about the front office, but the tactics that we are seeing on the field. And like we have started to see a a number of managers in the Premier League who have started to play kind of traditional center backs out of that fullback position. And certain teams have gotten away with it, right? Like City is somehow getting away with it, partly because the creative force they have up front is unparalleled, unmatched, and somewhat historic. It is both its its power, its force, its creativity, its speed, its precision, its technical abilities, like all that combining into something that can pick locks when teams want to sit in a low block. Chelsea are currently rolling like, like center backs out of the fullback facing low blocks and then having no way to deal with it. They don't have a number nine target, man. And even if they did, they've got center backs trying to whip in crosses, lugging up and down the pitches, providing you know, it's supposed to be providing width and they can't do it. So as long as they're going to face teams that are going to sit back against them, as long as they're facing championship-level sides that are going to do this, and they're going to play Levi Colwell and Desai and like all these other guys out of position and have no way up front to really break it down and no target man to just like nick a goal off a set piece, well, why should I feel good about them? Like What, what are Potts doing that's going to make me think that they're suddenly going to be able to turn this around? When, right beforehand, when he was playing people in position, when Malo Gusto and um, and other players were able to get up the, up the flanks, they suddenly were able to do things. But he's playing guys wildly out of position. We need to have something that makes sense, Brett. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is a classic game of where you, the, if you look at 
XG and underlying numbers, you'd be like, yeah, I'm taking Chelsea here. But this is what you're talking about is a team in crisis, a manager trying to figure out things and pulling all sorts of levers to find something to get actual results is probably on the balance making this team a little bit worse. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. And for me, that, I mean, I am not a Fulham stand at all. They cheated their numbers last year. I, I like Marco Silva as a manager, but there is just no talent on this team. The ghost of William is just making appearances still in the year 2024 in the Premier League. Just bizarre. I don't know what this life is. Um, but I'm going to take Fulham with a half a goal with plus 130. Um, I'm, I, it's, I'm not like, I don't even feel good about that. Like my, my prop bet is going to be Cole Palmer first goal scorer plus 550. A plus 550 number bet I'm more confident in than picking either one of those two teams to win. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's fair. I mean, like I am also taking Fulham um, on the double chance at plus 130. And that's with Balo, Bassi, Awobi. They're all on international duty. Reem is doubtful. They're going to miss Awobi ton on the right wing, which has been a great place to exploit Chelsea. Like a lot of the goals are coming down from the right side because of what I'm talking about, like having the left side players being so out of position. Um, they also had to play Liverpool in a cup semi on Wednesday, and they do not have the guys to rotate. Like Fulham normally doesn't have the depth, and now they've got all these guys out on international duty. They're going to be shorthanded. And I'm still taking them against a billion-dollar squad. That shows you how little faith I have, not in the ultimate talent of Chelsea, not in the ultimate uh, where they'll be two to three years ago, but the predictability of them match-to-match right now, particularly when it seems they have no idea how to beat a team that just plays nine guys, ten guys behind the ball. So I am going to bet on Fulham to adapt these negative tactics. I'm going to bet on Chelsea to struggle once again. And if they roll out a false nine – with with uh, center backs playing fullback, like there's no chance. Like just they, all they have at that point is Sterling making amazing run, drawing a penalty, and Palmer converting it. That is their entire offense for 90 minutes, if that is the tactic that they take. So the prop I'm going to take is both score no, which is shocking to me, at a plus number at plus 120. Because of the tactics that can be adapted to this game, both sides can easily get blanked. Fulham routinely get blanked when they're on short staff, uh, less than less than five days rest anyway because of these rotation issues. And now they have all this depth lost the Rapcon. And I think both, I think Nil Nil is like within a strong range of outcome here. And I see one side to fulfill that destiny for me to cash. Um, if anybody lives out east in Arlington and you see Toby Murko on the street, just go full Robin Williams and Goodwill hunting and just give him a big hug and just be like, it's it's okay. It's okay, Toby. It- and look, look. You, you can look at our breakouts. You can see our video. You can see what I look like. But even if you couldn't, just look for the guy wandering in the street going, Desai is not a right back. And just hug that guy. <laughs> yeah, I think anybody that's monitoring that, feel free to give that person a hug. But also just be careful because they might also be crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, both can be true. Yeah, both can be true. Oh man, yeah. Well, let's let's move off Chelsea here. I don't want to. We already gave my prop bet, so I don't want you to spend too long on this. I want to. We got to keep the the positive energy flowing, and we know where you go with the Chelsea team right now. Well, I'll tell you where there's a lot of positive energy right now, Brent, and that is Manchester City. They are taking on Newcastle, who's at home, ninth at twenty nine points versus City, third at forty points. This game is Saturday at twelve thirty p.m. City is minus one seventy. Newcastle plus four twenty five. Draw is plus three twenty. City. 
minus half a goal is minus 180. The Newcastle is plus 135. And like, unlike Tottenham, unlike Liverpool, these are two teams that are large clubs that are largely unaffected by AFCON. But unfortunately for Newcastle, they have been absolutely devastated by reality. They have lost three straight in the league, five out of six, including to Forrest and Luton, and now get a City team with KDB back. This is the biggest thing that's going to happen in January. Forget signings. KDB returning to City is the biggest, quote-unquote, signing new boy of this window. Is going to have the biggest impact. And to me, City is the obvious play. It is simply a matter of by how much. Given they have won their last five matches by multiple goals, I know Holland's probably not going to be back, but they have all this attacking talent, and now they got the Maestro pulling the uh, strings. They've got their attacking swagger, and I like them even in the best of times i would like them and they're not facing the best of times from newcastle so brett i am actually going to do the opposite of the coward's way out i am going to adjust this line up i am not going to take city at minus one five at minus 180 i'm adjusting this up to uh one and a half and getting plus 140 for city to win my multiple goals look at this guy all that is man he's like clint eastwood of soccer Oh. <laughs> no, I, I he also is known for muttering, so I accept that comparison. <laughs> uh, I I didn't go to the adjusted line, I, I just took it with half goal to minus 180. Um, I am going somewhere though. This Newcastle team is broken, and, and I will say this because you nailed everything with City, uh, I think, perfectly. So, no need to harp on that. And I'll go to the other side with Newcastle when they were putting up great numbers and they were making their run to fourth, all this stuff that was going on with Newcastle. I kept going. These players aren't that good. How Eddie Howe has never shown us that he's this type of manager. How is this happening? There is some beautiful self-correcting going on for a team owned by a petrol state, and I'm here for it. Um, so I am taking City. My prop bet, though, is going to be the City of over two and a half goals at plus 165. Oh, uh, wow. If anybody watched that Liverpool match, the score was 4-2, but the on the balance of chances – no team since expected goal data could have been tracked gave up more XG yeah. in a single match than yeah. Newcastle did against Liverpool. This team seems fundamentally broken right now defensively, yeah. and they are going against a city team that may have its star players back. And even without their star players, I still would like them to score three or more goals. And I'm getting a plus number to do it. So give me that team goal total. I love it. It's going to be in my five pint. Um, yeah. So let's go. Yeah, like if, if Newcastle was like a behind the music documentary, like that Liverpool game was the moment was like, and then there was a dark turn. It's like, <laughs> wait, how did you give up the most XG in the history of the stat? Oh you're, my a, God. you're a top, you know, seven, eight club. Like everything I said in the futures episode where we were talking about our odds, light it on fire after watching that Liverpool game. There's no way I am putting down a single American penny on any Newcastle bet right now for how well they're gonna do this year. Yeah, they need to they need to show me something soon for me not to be fading them everywhere because this is and then this this slide started in the 1-1 draw against PSG where they got absolutely drilled but somehow hung on to a point there in the Champions League that that the slide was starting then it ended as you said very aptly like a documentary and then it took a dark turn this is where I think we start seeing the real tailspin and results as well 
Dude, like it it's unbelievable to me that the Spurs are gonna make the Champions League. It's unbelievable. Like maybe save this for a future episode, but like I'm on this hot mic every single week saying to fade this team, and they are going to finish fifth by the two sweetest words in the English language, which is default. Because Newcastle ain't got nothing, United ain't got nothing, Chelsea ain't got nothing, Brighton's not going to be able to catch them, and fifth is going to qualify this year based on the cohort so far. So somehow this going to get this, their points back, Toby. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about them next, so I'll let you make that point. But it's it's, it's wild that they are going to finish a Champions League position to me. Anyway, um, I can still owe you my prop. Phil Foden, scorer assist, plus 115. I do love your team total bet. Um, you know, I wish I had thought about that one first. So I, I will co-stamp the one that you gave out. But Foden is out to prove that he can still be a creative asset to the team, even with KDB back. And he does nothing but help him as KDB sucks in defenses to the midfield for Foden to come in from the wing and either get a shot on target or, or provide that key pass to Winhala when he comes back, to Adoku, to Alvarez, whoever it might be. I think he's still looking to prove that even with KDB, he still belongs as somebody that uh, commands not the exact same level of respect, but not that far off as a midfield creative force. Plus, he's probably their best finisher as well if KDB is looking to pass uh, with Holland out. So to get him on score assist at a plus number in a game where we expect to see a lot of city goals, I think is pretty great value. Yeah, I mean, he's a just tremendously talented player who's just as good moving off the ball as he is with it at his feet. So that's a great bet. I mean, I will co-stamp that as well to return the favor. All right. Well, because of the weird match week this week, um, uh, because they split uh, was this match week 21 into two weeks in order to provide kind of a quasi winter break for the players, Liverpool and Arsenal will be on next week's slate, but they're not on this week's slate. Uh, so we decided to expand the menu a little bit, give Aston Villa a little bit of respect. So we're going to do Everton 17th at 16 points championship champions league bound according to brett versus aston villa second at 42 points this game is sunday at 9 a.m villa is plus 140 everton is plus 175 the draw is plus 260 villa minus half a goal is plus 130 everton is minus 170 all right brett uh since it's your beloved everton and your aston villa team that you continue to believe uh, unai emery is going to lead into the champions league i will let you take the lead on this matchup well, it's not just me. I mean, the books also believe that Aston Villa is going to the Champions League, and they're better than I am at this. Um, yeah, I mean, this one uh, this one was a little tough for me. Um, I shilled for Everton uh, at the end 2023, and then they probably like, lost two matches in a row, um, which is just goes to show you my, my, my opposite Midas touch right there. Um, yeah, but I'm going to take Villa on the money line. Uh, I mean, this, this they're just good. Uh, I At this point, I, I you know, I mean, again, there's a little bit of default. They're they're getting lucky in the vacuum created by Chelsea United, Spurs, all struggling. But they're also good. I mean, they would have been uh, hunting for this fifth place spot probably regardless. Not so much a lock for the Champions League. Um, but this is just a good team. I, I think Everton maybe kind of hit a crescendo. I think they're solidly if they get their points back. Everton's in contention to be a top eight team, which means you're getting a top four team against 
some borderline top 18 at plus money on the money line. Um, the one I am going to take is both the score, the prop that I am going to take though is both the score no at plus 125 because the one thing I do doubt on both these teams is their attacking numbers to keep up. They are sort of out ahead of their skis, both in terms of underlying performance and just like how they're generating that underlying performance. So I'm a little skeptical that the goals are going to keep coming like they have been for two teams that I think are relatively limited in that department. Interesting. Well, I, I'm joining you on the money line. I'm going opposite with you on your prop. With Calvert-Lewin suspended and uh, Gay and AFCON, it means the worst team is in a weaker position. They've also crashed back to earth, as you just mentioned, after you uh, reverse Midas touched them with three straight losses in the league, a draw with Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. Uh, with Rory Hodgson at the helm, like not something that a top eight team wants to have on its resume when you're about to back them against a team uh, as running as hot as Aston Villa is right now. So we seem to be witnessing a reversion of the mean, and Aston Villa's mean seems to be right now a Champions League contender. It feels like we should be getting like much worse odds here. Plus 130 feels like uh, a bit of value given all the things that were going on. But the fumes of Everton's hot early December seems to be giving a little discount. I'm happy to grab it. Emery's side for the win here keep a little space between them and city 21 games in which is a remarkable thing to be saying uh but over on the prop side i said i'm going opposite of you it's because aston villa like they just gave up three to united and we do nothing but talk about united's attacking problems here so both teams have scored in seven of the last aston villa league games and strangely you know the two who didn't in the last nine games who uh failed to score against aston villa uh i do not not off the top of my head that would be city and arsenal City and Arsenal are the only two teams in the last nine games to not score against Aston Villa. Uh, so I don't think they'll afford Everton the same respect and set up with such defensive tactics to leave some space for the, the Toffees to exploit. And I'm going to double down here on my prop with Aston Villa to win, but both teams to score at a very juicy plus 320. I mean, look... Aston Villa's high line without a ton of front-end pressing, which is the weird clash stylistically that they kind of have going for them, can produce either result. <laughs> yeah. You could get a lot of goals if Everton exploit that. Uh, my bet is just that they won't. So, I mean, it, but you're on a nice edge with the way that they play. It can go either direction. Well, look, you're getting plus 320 to sit on that knife set, so it seems like the risk is worth the reward. Yep. Uh, all right, Brett, it's time to re bring back our study abroad segment. So after this break, we will be heading down to Italy for AC Milan versus Roma. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, Brett, we are back and we are heading to my second favorite country in the world, Italy. Number one, still America. Check back with me in 2025, though. Uh, so AC Milan is taking on Roma, as we mentioned, third at 39 points. And Roma is eighth at 29 points. Sunday at 2.45 p.m. AC Milan is plus 115. Roma is plus 250. The draw is plus 220. Milan minus half a goal is plus 115. Roma is minus 145. So it is time to check back in on my personal heroes down in Italy. AC Milan features a lot of American talents, including Captain America, Christian Pulisic, as well as many former Chelsea legends. Uh, but unfortunately, they had managed to fall nine points behind Inter since we last covered them talking about their derby that has more to do with Inter's quality than Milan really choking from um, from what I've been watching in these games Captain America did hit a game winner for them at the end of the year my former boys in blue Gerard and Loftus-Cheek carried them to a victory in the first league game of 2024 both netting as they took down Empoli three to nil so I've certainly been entertained continuing to follow this club on the other side of Roma, the uh, the aforementioned Jose Mourinho is the manager and is really doing wonders for our Do Coaches Matter conversation as the special one, one of the most legendary coaches in history, sits in eighth in Italy, proving that even the guys that have got it done in multiple continents cannot get it done with this Roma squad because they are comfortably sit outside the Champions League positions for yet another year. And unlike Milan, they have players I despise Spies with the Robolu Lukaku leading that list. I have a soft spot for Tammy Abraham, but he's injured right now. It does not feel Brett to me like a Mourinho team whatsoever, given that all their best players are attackers and their best defender, Indica, is out at AFCON. So I expect even heavier tactics than usual for the Dark Lord, but it does not have the same impact it used to. So I am going with. Uh, not only AC Milan to win, I am also going with the under here. The under minus uh, under two and a half is minus 150. And to wrap up my rant, I should have done it in Italian if I was cultured whatsoever. If you like both of those things to both happen, AC Milan, clean sheet victory, plus 220, marries them both together. Yeah, uh, we're opposite on this one. Uh, well, not opposite technically. I was leaning Roma. But then it just seemed like I got hit with a vision in my head and I could not shake it. And so part of the reason I was excited that you almost took a draw earlier is because I am taking the Cowards wig out and I am taking that draw number for this team because I just cannot see this game have any other scoreline but 1-1. So much so that one of, I almost almost did an exact scoreline bet, but because I just never feel like those have value, I couldn't do it. But this team, these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Like Milan's, you did mention Pulisic and um, Olivier Giroud, but like this team's leading goal scorer right now is Giroud. And five years ago, you probably would have been like, that's probably not a great thing. <laughs> Now it's definitely not a good thing that Olivier Giroud, who is whose nine goal tally is propped up by four penalties, by the way. Um, 1.06 goals plus a six per 90. You know why I know that? Because everybody wants it back at Chelsea right now. <laughs> yeah. That's how bad we are. If everybody wants a 37 Olivia, uh, year old Olivier Giroud, please, by all means, take it. Um, yeah, but I think Milan's been a little disappointing, uh, in my opinion. Um, I'm kind of wondering what's going on with Chuck Wazy and, and Noah Okafor, who are their kind of big, exciting winger signings. 
Um, they don't really have a lot of minutes at all between them. And I, I think part of it was some injury issues, um, but they have about 800 a little over 850 minutes combined together. Um, and for a team that just isn't, that's overperforming its expectations of a pretty middling attack, um, that's concerning to me. And you mentioned Tammy Abraham. Rom is there now. Uh, Paul DeVal just got hurt, unfortunately, for Roma fans. Yeah. But um, Abraham is on his way back. And whatever you think of Rom, Italy is a good place for him. Uh, Mourinho yeah, food's style, delicious. <laughs> Mourinho style is a good fit for him. <laughs> and if they, you know, it's not a good foot film, Italian suits. Hey, oh, hey, Toby gets him again. Um, but if they can get Tim Abraham back and with Rom at the top and mix in some Duval, I don't know how Mourinho will change his structure to get all three of those on the pitch at the same, all three of those players on the pitch at the same time. Roma is very interesting to me. Um, but as of right now, these two teams are pretty much even in terms of their performance. And I just could not get off that one, one draw. And the way that I'm going to kind of play to that in my prop bet is I'm going to take a, a banger. <laughs> I'm going to have some bangers here in my five pine, but Milan to come from behind and draw at plus 600 because the, the very easy line, given the way that Mourinho's passive style works is Roman Nick's a counterattacking goal early. Mourinho parks the bus. And then Milan throw on everybody to get that equalizing goal. It just seems like it is too perfect for that scenario to play out. And so I, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take that. I'm going to, I like that you, it's plus 600. It's a good number for that type of outcome. I think it can happen in the four or five to one range. So I'm getting plus 600 for it. Vilaco, Vilaco. I appreciate you giving me enough time to look out how to say coward in Italian. Vilaco. <laughs> That is what you are, sir. Well, I'm looking forward to that being added to the T-shirt so we can expand our, our, our coward's way out shirt sales abroad. Sure. Codardo, I believe, is another way to say it. A vilaco is a coward, a poltroon, a sneak, a dastard, a caitiff. A codardo is a coward, a dastard, a folk. Man, I love it. I love foreign languages. It's so great. <laughs> this has turned into an episode of Rosetta Stone. Well, I need new ways to bully you, according to you. That's so true. That's look, true. Looking up how to say coward. Just calling me a coward has gotten like. stale. Has gotten stale. So I appreciate that we're mixing in new ways. And I will be like, yeah, uh, HR, uh, which is you. Um, I just got assaulted in Italian now. <laughs> got to keep things fresh. Uh, unfortunately, I did not keep things fresh in the five pint in December because you, December Brett, win that contest yet again. I might as well just mail it in December 2024. <laughs> no need to show up off. for work. There you go. <laughs> we got a new month here in January. January is going to be weird, man, with these like split calendars and things like that. So yeah. it'll be interesting for our contest. Uh, but I did find five bites, five bets that I really like this week, and I've already given them out, but just to provide some focus to them. Chelsea Fulham both score no plus 120. Phil Foden score assist plus 115. The United Spurs over three and a half at plus 110. Villa on the money line at plus 130. And Milan Roma under two and a half goals. Seems like we agree on that. 1-1 one, one qualifies for that is minus mm -hmm. 150. All right. Well, for mine, I'm going to have some big number. We're, <laughs> we're definitely going to be starting off uh, New Year's with a bang here. Um, I'm going to take Spurs and both teams to score at plus 350. I am taking the Milan come from behind and draw at plus 600. I am taking City 
over two and a half goals at plus 165. I'm also taking them at just the half a goal adjusted spread to somehow balance out my craziness um, as well for a pint. And the final one, I'm going to back your boy Cole. Cole Palmer, first goal scorer, plus 550. Those are my five picks. Godspeed to me because there are some big numbers in there. This could be an awesome week or a pretty terrible way to start 2024. Yeah. Well, welcome into 2024, everyone. It was our first show of the year. We hope you had a wonderful holiday. Enjoyed the fixture congestion, fixture congestion that we see every time. Now we're getting a little bit of time to breathe, and I hope that you have enjoyed it. But are you ready to dive back in with us into what is guaranteed to be an interesting year? Uh, we had great shows on the network all over the place this week. If you want to play postseason fantasy football, you can't do any better than the uh, analysis they gave you on Waiver Wired. Uh, an excellent episode of Extra Points where you got to listen to Martin Weiss celebrate his Michigan Wolverines winning the NCAA title. Uh, if you want to hear about Steelers, Bills, and Damashek's got you covered on minus three for about an hour. Uh, so dive into that one. He'll be back with Hench to do the 15-minute pregame show of the of the wildcard weekend as well as their normal episode. And I am taking on Damashek and Trendy all week. Please go back and listen to the ref conversation as a way to uh, preview what we're going to be talking about and covered in glory in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but other than that, we hope that you enjoy all this max match action. Anything to say before we go, Brett? Uh, no, just go me. Go 2024, Brett. That's what I want. I want oh. December, Brett, to be 2024, Brett. That's what I want. I'm worried about me. I don't care about anybody else. I'm just worried about me. 2024, resolution Brett, is this December, year. Brett. What? Make make that your resolution this year. Bet every month in 2024 like your December Brent, and you will have a good year. Exactly. There we go. All right. We, uh, enjoy the matches. We'll see you next week. We'll be back with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.